everybody. We're back with week five of the Breast Level Club. I just posted a link to the last class, so for those of you who were able to join, amazing. Hi, Nicole. <laughs> so for those of you who had a few minutes, you were able to catch up on last week's class. Um, I'm just gonna give it one more second. Um, we are going to be addressing the concept of holy desire. We started mentioning it last week. Um, so just to recap, for those of you who've been here, who've been along, joining along this book club with us, um, the Breast Book Club, we spoke about the concept of stirrings of redemption. So last week we ended off with the princess finding out that her father actually cared about her and was looking for her and missed her so much that that alone, those stirrings of hearing that her father was still interested in her, allowed her to create an escape plan for what I found out that I was pronouncing wrong all this time. It is the Viceroy, that the Viceroy was actually able to come up with a plan together with the princess to be able to get her out. All she needed to hear was that her father missed her and now they're able to go forward. So she gives him this plan, this holy desire plan. She says, all that year that you go away, that you find for yourself a place. Oh, we spoke about this idea where you have to find yourself a place and in that place, you'll be able to work on yourself to the point where you'll be able to connect to what your book Hashem was. So go for the, go find a place for a year and all that year you must long for me. And whenever you're unoccupied, whenever you're bored and you have nothing else to do, all you need to do is yearn and seek and look forward to freeing me. And you must also fast. Okay, so we have like Yom Kippur vibes here and you have to go without sleep for the entire 24 hour period. So the last day of the entire year, you can eat. During the, during the rest of the year, intermittent fasting, um, that was a thing back then, and then you should fast, but on the last day you can't eat anything and you can't even go to sleep. So now what ends up happening is that this is his journey to be able to go find the princess. Now in, um, in Avodah Hashem, we often, or actually not in Avodah Hashem, in the entire world, we often like to see things as a means to an end. You know, there's this concept where like we work very hard, let's say on a diet to be able to fit into a dress at the end. We work very hard on raising our children so that one day we can walk them down the aisle. We work so hard to be able to enjoy the moment of it at the end, right? Like to sit by a child's graduation or to God willing one day walk a child down the aisle to be able to see all your work, be able to get to something. You work so hard on something at work, a specific project, and then when it comes to fruition, that's when you feel good. What the princess is teaching us here is that throughout that year, when you're not doing anything, the means is part of the end and that you can have enjoyment and that time that you're spending that whole year just thinking about me, that alone is enough to get you to actualize something. Um, and it's hard because we always think that, no, you're only like changing diapers and, and, and helping your children, you know, feeding them, whatever you're doing so that they eventually grow up and become independent people. But what if you actually were able to enjoy the journey of the diapers and the training and the carpels and all of that? And when you can enjoy all of that, you can also appreciate the end so, so greatly. So here we have is that the holy desire and the yearning is really as precious as the actual work that he does that whole year, just having desire. And, um, and what we can learn from here is that we don't even, 
we don't even know what one little thought can actually do, like in the spiritual world. And it teaches us something very great. Um, and it teaches us really that no good desire is ever dismissed by Hashem. That even if you just want desire to desire to get close to Hashem, that is even a great thing. Now also, the Yitzhahara, part of his, you know, under his license, under one of his roles, is that he is trying to suck out holiness and purity from every single good, positive moment of your life. From every single Jew, the only way that he has his power is by taking, leeching onto us and drawing power from, power from us. So now the Yitzhar could try in so many different ways to get us, but there's one thing that he'll never be able to get, and that is our desire. So nothing stands in the way of desire. Like that's like, that's the Rabbi Nachman line. That's like the Hebrew version of like, when there's a will, there's a way. Nothing can stop you from doing something that you want to do if you desire it. And in the deepest of Svarim, and when we started this in the beginning, we started this series, we spoke about the 10 spheros. What's so incredible is that we believe that desire is the highest of all the spheres. The desire is connected to, yes, Nicole, we want to once until we one times 10. Um, so desire comes from your Kesar, which is the highest part. We have Chachmem, we have Bina, and we also have the highest level of intellect would be this concept of Kesar is where holy Ratzon and desire comes from. That's the source for all of our desires. So regardless how many mistakes that you make in your life, if you can connect to the desire to connect to Hashem, that will help you realign your mission. So like if you're lost and you're not sure where you're going, you have to tap into that deepest, deepest level with inside of you, and that's your desire, and that holy desire cannot be taken away by the Yitzhara, and if you can connect to that, you can reach very, very high levels um, in your Abu Hashem. So this concept of desiring until you get to the point of desiring is very deep. Because sometimes like, we just want to, we, we want to want to connect to Hashem. Like we don't know how to connect to Hashem. We don't even know that we want to connect to Hashem, but we want to want to be able to connect to Hashem. Sometimes I say that about the land of Israel. Like I want to want to be in the land of Eretz Yisrael. Just as desire to desire times 10 is really, um, is really how we can connect to the innermost, you know, the innermost desire, the, pl the blueprint of who we are. Um, Okay, so now what happens is the significance of this particular avoda to be able to free the princess is an interesting one. Because like, if we were to think that the princess was gonna be saved, like she would probably need to sit down with a plan, like of where all the security cameras are and you know, who, who's armed and who's not armed and a real actual plan, a technique in order to extract her. But what does she say? She says, no, I need you to go on this spiritual journey. I need you to like go find for yourself a place, figure out who you are, not eat, not drink, intermittent fasting, right? Like no caffeine, do this for a year, right? And the whole idea for you is to desire. It's a strange idea. But when we realize that the whole capture of the princess is a spiritual capture, we now understand that in order for the viceroy to be able to save the princess, he needs to go about in a spiritual way. He had to free the princess from this like faithless kingdom, which was Amalek, obviously, she was entrapped there. So that's a spiritual task. So therefore, the rescue mission also needs to parallel that and also be a spiritual plan. So, um, but what's interesting is that using these, these, you know, these plans from the princess, these directives, to be able to find meaning in every moment of his life, to be able to think about the princess, to be able to wanting to bring her back, to yearn for her, all of that, 
is what he had to do in order to actively free her. And the more that he desired, the more she was drawn out. So uh, one of the examples that he gives in the book is like, imagine, you know, like those, um, the timers, like the sand timers, the hourglass. So every moment that he desired the princess to be able to free her, more and more sand was trickling out from the top hourglass to the bottom. So he was able, as he was yearning for her, he was drawing her, drawing her down. So the last thing that she says, the last condition was that the viceroy is supposed to fast for the whole year and on the last day he shouldn't eat. Now, we know where people think like, oh, Yom Kippur, people of Tishaba, that like we're always fasting, but there's much more feasting days than fasting days. And fasting is not necessarily something that we are, you know, into. It's not a Jewish concept of like being able to connect to Hashem, but on certain days and in certain times, we, we are, let's say, from the Torah and from our Rabbanim, we're told to remove ourselves from physicality so that we can weaken the body to be able to just to temporarily um, deny the sustenance which will allow us to tap into the desires of the soul. So it's not a simple thing. We don't, we don't ask to fast. We don't do this. We don't call this upon ourselves and we only follow the certain fast days. But this idea where sometimes just weakening it a little bit can allow you to tap into that desire. So this intermittent fasting. And if you look at the way that she said it, she didn't say like, oh, every, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you should be fasting. What she said is that you should just fast. And it was kind of this like umbrella term where he would separate himself from like physical, um, you know, the, the indulgences of this physical world. So she kind of like gave him this idea where like, you know, you should fast, you should separate yourself, you shouldn't go shopping, remove yourselves from physicality, don't, you know, stuff your face with all this, like, delicious food, right? And then on the last day, I also want you to fast. But she gives him a little bit of warning, and she says, on the last day, I want you to fast the entire day, like a Yom Kippur, and I also want you to not fall asleep. Now, what happens is, the Yitzhahara knows us so well. He's like, ah, you think you got this the whole year, you're cruising along, it's all amazing. I'm just letting you know that my forces, my troops are coming in so strong on that last day. And therefore the princess gives him this warning and she says, on that last day, just be really, really extra careful. And he ended up going out and doing what he told her to do. And on the last day, he got up and he began heading towards the palace. And he was so excited. He's like, here I am. I spent this entire year. I'm going to get her. And he saw a tree with very beautiful apples. And it was very desirable to his eyes. And he ate an apple, and immediately after eating the apple, he fell into a deep sleep, and he slept for a very long time. So immediately I go to like my Snow White vibes, and I'm like, right? And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, he, he bit from the apple, and it's itch, now, now, now he's asleep, and that's it. He slept for a very long time. You know, as, um, as, as we make our way, as, he, as the viceroy and as us are making our way to like the last step, we're really, really almost there, we're so close, we're so far, that's when the Yitzhahara's urges and his strength comes in so strong, literally like tenfold. This is like his final attack and he's there and he's, he's gonna get us because we're, we're so filled with pride and we're so filled with um, our own merit. We're so proud of ourselves that we've done it for so long for a year. He's like, actually, I'm gonna get you here. And um, there's a Chazal that says, well, actually, we learned this, from, I think it's from Hillel. We learned, that you should not trust yourself until the last day, until the day that you die. Um, this idea where 
when we're really at the brink and we're really, really ready to go, you can fall once again. And his mind, he, he forgot at like, he forgot what's at stake. He forgot that he was there to go get the princess. And all of a sudden he was, you know, he's really trying to achieve his goal. And then the combination of the Yitzhahara's like strong attack and the Viserys, the Viserys vulnerability really leads to this catastrophic mistake where he eats from it and then he falls asleep. And it doesn't end there. And what ends up happening is he, um, he falls asleep for a year. The servant tries to wake him up, but not, on, not able to wake him up. And only when he is ready does he all of a sudden wake up and he begs and he, and, and he actually, he says the very famous words. He says, where in the world am I? Now, when he was, when he was sleeping, when he was in this, let's say like, whether it was a phys physical sleep or it was a spiritual sleep, you know, the whole concept of sleep in general is a time where the Yitzhahara can have a stronger hold on us. This idea where sleep is really synonymous with the most lower level of our consciousness and it's a place where we don't know that there's a Hashem. There's, it's like what we refer to as Hester Shabbosoh Hester. It's the deepest, darkest, most confusing place and it's filled with terror. And he really forgot who he was and it really, in that moment, he just really lost everything. But we know, Sheva Yipol become that we, a righteous person will fall seven times before he's able to get up. And he gets up and he says these famous words, where in the world am I? Where in the world am I? He, he, was, he was crying out. It was a real cry and a call to the servant, to Hashem, to the princess. And he said, where in the world am I? Where in the world am I? He wasn't asking geographically like Carmen San Diego, where in the world, you know? Anybody else remember that? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? He wasn't asking that, that where in the world. He's not wondering geographically where he is. He's like, this is saying, I'm at the lowest level spiritually. How did I get here? How can I, how can I draw myself out of here? Hi, Chava. <laughs> it's nice to see you on here. Um, where in the world am I? He kind of like, he needed a compass. He needed a spiritual compass. He needed to say, I need to regain my sense of direction. I need to know where in the world am I? Not who am I? Where am I? Where, where did I fall? Where am I? Where, what's going on here? And now he actually has this kind of this like broken heart. He's like so sad that this happened. He's a little bit stubborn and he's a little upset at himself and he's like, what am I doing? And he was, he says, the viceroy was very upset at himself and he went to the palace and he went to find the princess and he stormed straight into the princess and he says, where in the world am I? What is happening? What did I do wrong? And how did I end up here? So he is very sad um, and it says that when a Jew does fall very low, there's this kind of like spiritual holy stubbornness that comes in to help guide us where where we need to go you know sometimes we hear these phrases of chazal that the jewish nation they're very stubborn they have no shake orath but sometimes when you have that stubbornness that determination it gets you to where you need to go and then when he found her he told her she said i cannot believe you did this you really you lost everything like you worked so hard for an entire year but she says because of one day you lost everything but however, it is very difficult not to eat, especially on the last day when the evil urge is so strong. So the princess now starts to tell him that you're gonna do this again, but I'm gonna make the conditions a little bit easier. And this time, I want you to understand that the progress that you made that first year around was not lost. Even though you messed up on the last day, I'm telling you that everything that you've done up until now, it's here, it's saved, you didn't lose the document. You know, it's, you know, when you are like working, I don't know if this happens to anybody else, when you're like working on the computer and like you're working on this project and all of a sudden your computer dies and that's it and it's lost and it's gone. 
it's a very overwhelming feeling. And you're like, I worked so hard on this project for so long and now it's gone. But then you find it in a certain tab that it was saved before, you know, it, like it would have disappeared. It's the most comforting feeling. So the princess is saying, yes, you made a little, you made a mistake and it's not so great. And I'm, you know, that's okay. I'm just telling you that the progress that you made over that year is not lost because the next time around, you're going to be able to eat, but you just, on the last day, you can't fall asleep. So she makes the conditions a little bit easier. Now, what's interesting about her, her approach this time around, she wanted to give him the confidence that he was going to be able to do it again. But she says that next time when you choose for yourself a place, I want you to know that you'll be allowed to eat, but you must not sleep. You mustn't drink wine so that you don't fall asleep. For the most important thing is that, when, is that you remain awake. And he went and he did that for another entire year. And what happened? As he was leaving, he saw that the river was red. He saw a river and he saw the river was red. And he looked at the servant and he said, did you ever see this? Did you ever see anything like this? A river that's red? And we're like, don't drink from the river, right? Like, you know, when you're like watching a movie and you're like, no. Or you're reading a book and in your mind, you're like, no, this can't be, right? He says, have you ever see, seen anything like this? A river of water that appears red and smells like wine. And then he went and he tasted from the river and immediately he fell asleep for, and he slept for many years. He slept for 70 years. Now, you know, what, what's incredible about this story is that we know that he's gonna keep climbing and he's gonna keep falling and keep making mistakes, but he's gonna keep growing. The idea where she said, choose for yourself another place. She's saying that you did not make a mistake the first time around. Whatever you did that year, that journey of a year, that was incredible. I'm telling you now, you have to go on another journey and you shouldn't be disheartened because this one, the rules are gonna be different this time around. And I just want you to know this, he quoted, um, Rebecca Klein quoted in the book from Thomas Edison when he said, after finally succeeding to invent a functioning light bulb after 1,000 failed attempts, Thomas Edison was asked by a news reporter, how did it feel to make a thousand mistakes? Thinking for a moment, Edison responded, I didn't make a thousand mistakes. Inventing the light bulb was simply a thousand step process. And this idea where Edison kind of viewed those mistakes as, he did not see those mistakes as failures. He actually saw them as part of the triumph. And what she says is that you made a mistake, you, you might think that you made a mistake that first time around, but that was the journey that you needed to do. Now we're gonna do it again. And we're gonna start again from scratch and you're gonna choose for yourself a place. But this time she says, don't fall asleep. Falling asleep is what we say, the lowest of the low. It's the, the spiritual slumber that's very, very deep and very intense and you can become entrapped. And the whole deception of the Yitzhahara, of Satan, the Satan is to make us think that, to make us think that it's okay that it's, he, he tries to scare us. He tries to say the same thing that he did to Chava, that like, oh, she just said that you can't, you can't, you can eat, but you can't drink wine because that will make you fall asleep. And just so happens to be, all of a sudden the Yitzhahara creates a river flowing with red wine. And he has the best tactics in the world to try to get us. And part of the, the way that he tries to get us is tries to get us to think that this is not actually a trap right? Okay. Um, we're going to end here. Um, we are going to, we were trying to do it in six, but I think we're going to go up to seven. We're going to do six and seven in the next two coming weeks. Um, the next chapter we're going to be working on is the strategy of Amuna. that this is also a pretty big turning point in the story where now the princess will give him, um, other tasks. 
Um, so thank you so much for joining. Um, I'm going to look at some of the comments here because I saw, um, sorry. And if anybody has any messages, please let me know. Okay, amazing. Um, I'm so sorry. Um, I will, I see people are saying that I should keep going. Um, this is the book, Story of Our Lives, um, by Yaakov Klein. Um, and this class will be saved as an IGTV. And if anybody wants to watch the previous classes, um, you can find them all on Pingyosh on Instagram. So thank you all for joining and have an amazing night.